Talking about Charles Bronson today with my good friend Dave Regal. When I think back to when I met you, Dave, I just discovered some of the 80s Charles Bronson movies that came out at that time. The original Death Wish was released in 1974, but Death Wish 2 is in 1982. And yeah, Death Wish 3 came out in 1985, which is the year I would have met you at age 13. So what do you know or remember or think about when you hear the name Charles Bronson? Oh, man, it's... I remember something called The Mechanic, where he was like a hitman or some, something. In one of his movies, I, I remember my dad was a big fan of Charles Bronson. Well, my, my family was my grandparents, and my dad was almost fixated on The Mechanic. Yeah, I remember seeing I mean, previews for it, but I never actually saw it. I have to watch So to he was actually a hitman in it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I remember that in the Death Wish. I remember seeing Death Wish at a drive-in movie theater. Oh, really? Yeah. Which one? Probably Silver Springs, if I had oh, to yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah, most likely. I was in thinking Mechanicsburg. that. Yeah. Because we lived in Colonial Park. Could have been Harrisburg. Wait, Harrisburg driving? Yeah, could have been that. Where was that at? Harrisburg driving? You know where driving? that giant, giant food store is on 22? Oh, that's right. I, no, I remember that being out there now. Right yeah. near Mountain Road. <laughs> I forgot about that. It wasn't yeah. like Festival Foods was put in there or something, and I think took its place, didn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't And then really it turned recall. into a giant or something like that. Well, I, it wasn't until many years later. I mean, this is probably maybe 10 years ago. I realized he was actually born in Pennsylvania here. Charles Bronson was an actual Pennsylvania guy. So he was born... Um, Charles Buczynski on December 3rd, 1921. And I never even, never even heard of Ehrenfeld. You know, when they talked about it, he was always, always associated with Pittsburgh. But, but I mean, Ehrenfeld, if you look at it on a map, it's pretty much central Pennsylvania. It is over 85 miles away from, from Pittsburgh. So I started digging into his story, finding out uh, all I could about him, traveled out to Ehrenfeld, tried to talk to some residents there. It was definitely interesting. I mean, it turns out that, you know, even though he escaped from that mine town, a lot of the people there in town don't actually uh, think very highly of him. I guess they have an issue with him not ever, you know, coming back or contributing to the town. I mean, if you contrast that to Jimmy Stewart, Jimmy Stewart gave back to that town. You know, he moved back there. He uh, he contributed money to build infrastructure. I mean, they put a museum in for Jimmy Stewart uh, that he helped. Uh, he contributed when they used his father's items from his father's store when it closed. He was a huge part of, the, of Indiana, Pennsylvania. But it, this whole Charles Bronson thing is very odd because, uh, I mean, it just seems like he didn't he didn't want to go back or he didn't want to remember it or anything. Yeah, I don't know. You know, the mine explosion, his dad stuck there in the mines. I mean, it, if I had those types of memories, I don't know what I would think. You know, I, I might want to just turn my, yeah, exactly. turn my back on my past. Well, that's too. what I'm saying, because so this guy grew up in that town. All you could do in that town is work the mines. And uh, he actually recalled, you know, years later about that explosion in 1927. I mean, he claims he was staying outside the mine when there was a giant explosion, the Ehrenfeld uh, mine explosion in 1927. Four miners were killed. His father was inside. He claimed he remembers standing outside that mine while they were uh, trying to figure out whether his father was alive or not. His father did survive that. 
You know, there was an interview with um, Roger Ebert. He interviewed Charles Bronson, and, and Charles told him about losing his virginity when he was five and a half years old to a six-year-old. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. That doesn't happen. No. So he talks about, um, you know, really never having his virginity. And he recalls this being the summer before school started for him at some 4th of July party. He said the uh, the miners were striking that year. So he would have been five and a half, six years old, right in 1927. So I did find newspaper articles that show that after this mine exploded, miners were, yeah, so the miners were striking because of the conditions there. So I think that's what he's actually talking about is that period right after the explosion. But he said they had to go, they had to move in with a, another family's house because everybody was on strike and they ended up living in the basement, him and all of his brothers and sisters. Mm. You know, most of the memories he recalls is nothing but, you know, suffering. I mean, he talks about that they were so poor that he had to actually wear his sister's, his sister's dress to school at some what? point. Yes. Charles Brown's wearing a dress or nah. I, I, I know I'm telling you, I think that's exactly why he didn't want to go back here. It was just bad memories for him. So when I he guess. was 11 years old, his father passed away. He lost him, and a lot of people were saying it's because of the, you know, black lung and all that. But if you look at his death certificate, it, it indicates carcinoma of the stomach. You know, whether that is mine related, it doesn't sound like it is, but cancer of the stomach is what uh, took his father out. So people that knew Bronson said that he basically withdrew inside himself and just wandered the uh, the woods of the area, didn't hang out with everybody. They, they, you know, his friends at that point were saying they were still playing sports and softball and all that, and. He didn't get involved. He just stayed to himself. But he had to then take over his father's place in the mines and began working in there with his brothers. Supposedly, he was the only one in the family to graduate high school, South Fork High School, class of 1940. Was he working in the mine already at, yeah. at that point? He worked in the mine between 1939 and 1943, and that's when he was drafted in World War II. So, yeah, he was drafted in World War II. He came down here to the New Cumberland Army Depot and enlisted, which uh, looking into that was interesting. I see a lot of other famous people from the war enlisted there. Major winners, you know, from Band of Brothers fame. Yeah, man. Yeah, he, he enlisted in New Cumberland Army Depot two years prior to, to Charles Bronson. So Charles brothers were also drafted and uh, went in about the same time. So that was the interesting thing is his brother, Joseph, enlisted with an address of uh, South Fork, which I was able to find. If you watch the video, I found his address and I'm not really sure what's going on there because his brother was born in 1914 in South Fork, but Charles was born in Ehrenfeld. So I'm not sure why Joseph, it appears he stayed in South Fork from his birth. I'm not sure what's going on there. Huh. Because that's the address he listed when he enlisted in the um, in the military in, in 1943. So Yeah, I think that a lot of times back then, man, a lot of kids were in, they were like orphans and, and foster homes and people couldn't afford to keep their kids. And That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, was it a foster situation or, you know, why did he stay there from birth? He never left South Fork. You know, there's nothing showing that, you know, the parents separated or anything. I mean, you know, the father did pass away when when Charles was 11. You know, I don't, I could, because Charles was still listing that green address. So on his, on his military records, you can see it's either a 626 or a 162 or a 166. And apparently the addresses all changed there after the 911 standards were changed. So, but he still did list Ehrenfeld as his address in 1943 and his brother listed South Fork. I've been out that way, you know, where you're, where he's from 
repossessing cars. Yeah. You know, and I had a, a really tough time figuring out where places were. It's an interesting place. And that's place. what a lot of people said. Well, 911 came through oh, and they changed right. all the addresses. Yeah. yeah. We would resort to going to the post office or I've even gone to pizza delivery, pizza oh, shops. Oh, really? And yeah, because they know the delivery town, guys because yeah. they know where every, yeah. they know where everyone lives, you know. Yeah. But uh yeah, as far as being from his hometown, I, I've never I've never actually seen it, but I've been not far from there. That's the thing. I've been to Portage many times. You know, being from Altoona originally, we've we went to Portage, the Portage Railroad, and everything up there for elementary school field trips. But just a couple miles further to the west is this cool little town of Ehrenfeld. It's really picturesque now. I mean, you saw the drone photos and video from it. It's a really cool little town and just still like a little mining town on the side of that hill. I ended up finding, she ended up being the niece of Tom Burns. And Tom Burns is, is what he was the Cambria County Sheriff, but he was also Charles Buchinski's childhood friend, grew up with him. And he would actually return a couple times to see him. There was a newspaper article in 1981 showing them shaking hands at the Cambria County Courthouse. So he always would return to Tom Burns. But after meeting his niece, she told me crazy stories how Tom Burns told the story that they used to get on the, the Philly to box and train. There's a story my uncle always told. I think it would be interesting. Absolutely, anything. When they were in Philadelphia, they were going to the gym. They got up one morning and got dressed and were heading out to go work out, you know, and uh, they were walking down the street and a pretty girl passed by and she turned and went into a building. And my Uncle Tom told us this all the time. He said, Charlie turned and said, see you later, Tommy. And he followed her in the door. It was an acting studio. And that's where he learned really? his first acting lessons were at following a pretty girl down the street. You might have boxed my dad. Well, was he going down there too? All the time on the railroad. My, my grandfather worked for Pennsylvania Railroad between Harrisburg and Philadelphia. Really? And my dad and his brother had passes to get on the train and go anywhere they want so pop went to not just philadelphia but brooklyn and box would at the police athletic really i didn't Philly. know that yeah that's <clears throat> why he's uh he can always hold his hands yeah, you know, yeah guys, exactly guys yeah. from back then are tough man I that's no how they idea. got tough yeah that's interesting that you should ask him about that period i know well, i never was your even dad thought born? about my dad yeah when was he born he was born in 1940, so... Okay, yeah. That would have been uh, probably 1950. Okay. Well, it 50, sounds... Early 50s, because he was well, pretty so young. While he was in World War II, he, he fought in the Pacific Campaign. He was a, gun, a gunner on a B-29 Super Fortress. Wow. Yeah, he actually got injured and got a Purple Heart for uh, one of his missions. He was discharged in 46, and in 47, he used the GI Bill to attend the Hushin, I think they pronounce it, School of Arts in Philadelphia. Uh, so he went back to Philly and started going to this art school down there because he he was an artist. He could draw. This That place actually closed just this year, August of 2023. But his first job in entertainment was to actually create sets for films and theater. He ended up running a room with uh, Jack Klugman. Yeah, so uh, what was that? What's the... Uh, odd Couple, man. Yeah, The Odd Couple, that's it, yeah. So Jack Klug Klugman of The Odd Couple, he rented a room with him for a while while they were going to acting, taking acting classes down there. And he ended up meeting his first wife there, Harriet Tendler, 
at an acting school in Philly. He said his uh, first day with with her, he had four cents in his pocket. But <laughs> four but, cents, yeah. But she, might have been a lot of money back then. Yeah. What is his? Yeah, forty seven. So get you a candy bar, baby. <laughs> But apparently her father was a uh, handed up funding them to go out to California and uh, try to get acting gigs and take acting classes out there. He paid for everything at that point. The girl's father did. Yeah, the girl's father. Nice. Yeah. So Harriet and Charles in 1948 moved to Pasadena and started attending acting classes at the Pasadena Playhouse. In 1949, Charles and Harriet married. And then yeah, that puts that puts him and my dad apart. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting married when my old man was nine years old. Well, yeah. So Bronson's first film was was released on February twenty third of nineteen fifty one. It was You're in the Navy Now. That's the first actual film that he played in. Nineteen fifty three, he did a House of Wax with Vincent Price. But nineteen fifty four, Buczynski changed his name to Bronson. And apparently that was due to the current, you know, the, the second Red Scare, the whole blacklisting that was going on with McCarthyisms. He was concerned that he was going to be uh, included in that that whole, you know, Russia communism scare thing. So he changed his name to Bronson. But 1958, he started a TV series, a crime drama of a war veteran turned photographer slash investigator. He started in that for, I think, two years. Man with the camera. Yeah, man with the camera was the first broadcast oh, 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 date was oh. was October tenth, nineteen fifty eight. But a year later, then he finally returned home. So he came home to Portage, where his mother was living at that time. And that was on November twelfth, nineteen fifty nine. It was a family re- family reunion in Portage. So he actually that was the first time back, and he was a TV star at that point. In nineteen sixty one, he filmed the Twilight Zone episode. Two was really cool. It had a what's her name from what was the bewitched girl? Uh, the heck is her name? She was the the Elizabeth, co-star. Uh, yeah, what is that? Uh, <clears throat> Let me look it up. Elizabeth something. Man, I, I know very little about Charles Bronson. I'm surprised. I mean, I've, I've been kind of loved the guy my whole life just from the few things I have seen him. Right. Yeah. I see all this. All these films and stuff i have to go back and try to watch some of these i you see the guy he's starting 57 films in his career i mean in the 70s was the peak of his career with all the death wish movies and um you know kato's land came out but uh he was the highest grossing actor at that point in 1970s at the peak of his career wow you didn't see anything on the mechanic I, I saw it listed, but I mean... You did see it listed. Okay, yeah. so I, I, I just want to make sure I was right about it. Yeah, that's definitely Charles, yeah. My pop used to talk about that all the time. Yeah, I don't know what year that was, though. Because it's not like a car mechanic, you know? It's right, yeah. Wouldn't fix it. He was fixing stuff, all right. <laughs> Let me see when it was... Uh... Not cars. Right. So, 72. So, 1972 was the mechanic. Wow. Elizabeth Montgomery. Yeah, that was it. She's yeah. the actress to start with him in, in Twilight Zone 2. It must have been one of her first episodes because she looked really young in there. She was the one that did the thing with her yeah. nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 1965, then he divorced Harriet. And uh, 1967, The Dirty Dozen was released. It was the sixth highest grossing film of 1967. Did you ever see that? I never have. I, I think so I've seen good. parts of it. Yeah. It was like Lee Marvin yeah, and guys yeah, yeah. like that in it. yeah. Yeah, it was like the tough guy, the, yeah, the exactly. man's man type. 
Yeah, well, it was a so, bunch of prisoners, I guess, they were releasing to go on a special mission and stuff. But yeah, I think I have seen it, actually. Yeah, it's but so I, good. I, I think it's one of those that I always fell asleep. Yeah. Because it was late at night. Right, right. But because yeah. it was boring or anything, I just... Oh, yeah. I mean, this is like I, Death Wish. You know, we weren't supposed to be watching that when that stuff came out, but we had to sneak around late at night to do it or when we had babysitters or something like that. So 1967 was a dirty dozen, you know, huge grossing film of that year. Then the next year on 518, 1968, he would lose his mother. She actually passed away in Johnstown Memorial Hospital, but her address was still listed as Portage. And that's the one thing I don't understand. And I did ask Nancy that when I was there talking to her. I asked her, um, you know, why she thought that you saw that place. You know, I stopped by the apartment she was living at that he would visit because there's there's old social media posts for I think it's Portage Historical Society saying they remember when he used to vis- visit there in the 80s and there'd be like black cars parked out there and bodyguards. But it says that she died in 68. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're right. I got that wrong. People were saying, I think the post might have been, no, that can't be right either. Yeah, let me recorrect that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the so, post was in the 80s. I don't know when the posts were, but they were old. I mean, they must have been like, I, I was digging deep on this when I found these old social media posts. Um, so I don't know what it was, but there were comments about that historical apartment she was living at called the, I guess the Portage House back in the day. But she was living in there while this dude was a, was a movie star. So what what's up with that? I mean, why did he leave his mother living in a you know an apartment like that as a movie star? I don't understand what was going on there. Uh you think he would have hooked her up with a huge house or something like that? You know what I mean? That's, he didn't help the town. He didn't even help his mom. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Not only did he not help the town, he was like, you know, moms, you're on your own. Um so I don't know if there's beef there or something or if they didn't really uh, get I think along. people from back then, man, they didn't want handouts. You know, my I remember my grandparents, man. They they didn't mind helping other people, but they didn't want they didn't want to accept help because they didn't need it. Yeah. You know, maybe his mother was content. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, the way Charles Bronson is, you know, how tough he is and everything and the shit he went through, you know, maybe she just was not a she didn't want anything from, you know. That's it. I thought about that too, but I think you don't get tougher than guys like him, man. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's like the epitome of toughness. Yeah, yeah. guys like Charles Bronson. That's what I always think of when I think of Charles Bronson. I think of leadership. I think of inspiration. Yeah, you know things that, like when I want to change myself for the better. You know, I, I kind of look to. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Look to not necessarily just actors, but you know, military men right. or yeah, or, or yeah. just like I remember uh, you told me before. You know, find somebody that uh, that you're inspired by and model yourself. Yeah. Your behaviors after that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. People with perseverance like that guy. I mean, that's huge. I mean, you saw the pictures of him when he was 54. I mean, that's insane. It's amazing. The 20-year-old and the 50-something-year-old yeah. right beside each other. They look exactly the same. I know. It's nuts. It's just it's a little freaking. gray hair in the one. It's like, well, you wouldn't even know if you'd... Yeah. But that's the, so that dude smoked his entire life. He was a smoker his entire life. Stayed, you know, physically fit, it appeared. And he made it till 81. You know, he didn't pass away till his 80s. So, so he did get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame... In 1980. But talking about Death Wish, I don't know if you remember that 475 Wildy Magnum. Uh, I mean, I'll never forget him. You know, he was saying he was waiting, waiting on his friend Wildy to show up. And finally, when it came, it turns out that that gun was actually his personal gun. 
Oh, wow. And he wanted that uh, that to be featured in this movie because it's an actual rifle cartridge. He explains it in the uh, in the movie, but it's a rifle cartridge and a handgun. Wow. Yeah. But that was his own, actually, his I personal. I bet you that'd be a hell of a thing to try to fire. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So on 10-9-81, that's when he came back, visited Ehrenfeld, met up with his good friend Tom Burns. And um, that's when that, that photo of him shaking his hand at the uh, at the Cambria County Courthouse. So in 1984, Jill di- was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was only 48 years old. Yeah. Yeah, I always remember hearing she died young. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't until 1986. He, he, w- he was interviewed and told the story. Uh, he was actually working on the film Act of Vengeance. I didn't see that one either. There's a bunch of films I need to what catch was up the with. One? What Act of, Act of Vengeance, Act 1986. Of vengeance. Yeah, I don't know what that one is, but he recalled the mine explosion and with his father inside and him standing outside of it. That's the first time that came up that I could find. I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah. I want this list of movies. Yeah, I, I guess know. I could yeah. just Google yeah. Charles Bradson <clears throat> movies. Yeah. Yeah, but his, his adopted son then, he adopted two children, him and Jill. And in 1989, one of them, Jason, died of an accidental drug overdose. I mean, it did emphasize accidental. But in 1990, then, uh, Jill Ireland died of breast cancer. She was cremated, and her ashes were actually placed in a cane. Charles kept that cane, and he was actually buried with it when he died in 2003. So on August 30th, 2003, Bronson died in Los Angeles. He was 81 years old, and he actually had that, uh, that cane with her ashes in it buried with them in that grave. You know, what sucks is we were just up in Vermont like four weeks ago. We stayed at a cabin up in the woods in there and beautiful mountains. The mountains and the fall foliage and everything was great. But the area we stayed, there was zero hiking opportunities. But it turns out that it, we were like maybe 15 minutes away from his grave. And I didn't even know he was up there until I came back and started researching this. But apparently he bought a ranch at some point up there. And that's where they spend most of their, you know, their summers hanging out at this ranch, riding horses and stuff. After his retirement. Wow. Yeah. Would have thought. But yeah, he retired in 98. He uh, had some hip surgery. Only made it a couple years later, 2003. They said it was complications of pneumonia. So it wasn't even, I mean, whether that was cigarette related, I don't, you know. I'm sure he had reduced lung capacity because of it. But but still, like you said, to make it 81 years old, being a heavy smoker your entire life, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I think at some point, if you want to live, you got to quit. You know, it's, I think about my own father, you know, 83 years old and smoked a pack a day since 1950-something. Yeah. Up until a little over 10 years ago, he's still alive, he's lucky. Yeah. I think, I don't know, genetics, different people. Yeah. You know, a little more predisposed to cancer. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to go back to that. The way that people felt in his hometown, like he yeah. owed them something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that's kind of a, I, mean, I don't think the guy owed him anything. I mean, get the heck out and if you can get out and if not, you know, I don't that, know. Maybe that's a good point, man. But so what, I thought back and forth about that because I was arguing against that he didn't like the town. Um because he spoke about it so much. He talked about his raising. But, I mean, honestly, I guess if you really look at the totality of what he was saying was, that place sucked. Here's what I went through. You know, but still, at the same time, it built who he was, somebody who, uh, a strong individual that could, you know, overcome anything. So 
Yeah, but it didn't sound like he was very embraced. If he was wandering off in the woods constantly, spending time alone. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I'm trying to put myself in the guy's shoes. Yeah. In that situation, I mean, well, you know, if, if I wasn't really befriended in that town, I spent most of my time alone all, anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think it's a little entitled thinking, maybe. Yeah. For them to think that he should come back and fund the town. And that's uh, just because Jimmy Stewart did it. That's exactly town. what it is. That's the contrast you hear because Indiana PA is only northwest, I think, from there. But it's, uh, it's very close and they parallel what Stewart did with the town out there compared to what he did. And, and yeah, you're right. It's not fair to compare the two. He got out. You know, it kind of seems like a lot of people resent the fact that he got out. But that's the thing. I mean, he, I've only seen him talk about wearing the dress once. He said he had to wear dresses to go to his sister's dresses to go to school. They were so poor. You know, they shaved his head so he wouldn't get lice. He had to come home from school, take off his socks, give them to his brother so his brother could wear them into the mine. Uh, there was a lot of hard times and struggles going on. Imagine that. Yeah. How crusty them socks would be. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. even want to wear my own socks I know, a couple right? days in a row. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 a tough one to say, but it's just cool that he did come out of Pennsylvania. I mean, if you look at where they came from, his, his parents came from Lithuania originally. And if is you that, look, Is that Russia? Yeah, it's just uh, it's south of Russia. Let me see if I can bring it up here. Because the, the name... Chinsky. I was wondering if it was like Poland or Russian. No, it's it's south of Russian. He spoke so yeah. He actually Ukrainian. spoke. Supposedly Charles Bronson spoke Russian only until he joined the military. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's right right down there, just southwest. Oh, okay. Of uh of Russia. A lot of tough people come from that area. Well, so apparently that's that was a coal mining place also because his his father's death certificate shows that he was born in Lithuania and worked there as a miner when they moved over here. He met Charles' mom who was from Tamaqua, Pennsylvania, Schuylkill County. Tamaqua. Yeah, but she was also from uh, Lithuania. Hmm. So uh, they, for some whatever reason, I don't know if that was like the hot mine at the time in Ehrenfeld because there's so many of them up there. Even Porridge was a mining town, but they ended up moving to Ehrenfeld and uh, it had Charles there. But yeah, Charles, I mean, he found a way out. You know, he got, he got out of there after, he said after he joined the military, that's when he realized, you know, there was... There was life outside of just that small town of Ehrenfeld. So he told the story about when he was back in town in 1972. He's on a Dick Cavett show and said that he, him and some friends robbed the the uh, the mining company store, hopped the train right there and took it 300 miles. He doesn't really say whether it's 300 miles west or 300 miles east. So I'm just curious where he ended up because he ended up getting shot off the train by one of the railroad detectives. And he still has a scar in his upper left shoulder from that shot. <laughs> When I was a kid, I used to ride freight trains. In my hometown, a few other boys and myself, we robbed the company store, took a freight train, and we got caught about 300 miles away, and I was shot off a boxcar. How were you shot off a boxcar? A, a well, railroad uh, police? A railroad policeman, detective. In those days, they received $2 for every man they caught in the freight yards. And the uh, justice of the peace would receive $2 for sentencing. It was that kind of thing. That's sort of a bounty. He gun. said he fired to uh, get us to stop. He didn't mean to hit me. Damn. He even got shot. Yeah. <laughs> you can't kill Bronson. Cigarette. Yeah, Cigarettes. Did, did he yeah. die of cancer? Yeah. No, it was uh, complications and pneumonia. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I yeah. could have been smoking related to. 
Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It might have been due to you know decreased lung capacity Cigarettes or something. Could kill him, but a bullet couldn't. Yeah, but still at 81, I mean, pneumonia is going to get you. He was just a, you know, in my life, you know, he was just one of my heroes. You know, yeah. of course a bullet couldn't kill him. Take a heck of a, a heck of a posse to take a guy like that down. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting life, but yeah, he's a Pennsylvania guy. So we have a couple actors in here in Pennsylvania. There's a one that kind of parallels him. I don't know if you heard of Jack Palance, but he's also oh, Jack Palance. Yeah. He's the guy from uh, what was that show called? Uh, I always called him Jack Palance. I, it could it uh, might even be pronounced like that for all. Was that Ripley's Believe It or Not? Is that oh, him? Wasn't that him? Is yeah, that I him? think so. Let me look it up. Ripley's. Really? Yeah, he, he always played some scary dude. In the, right. Yeah. Like some scary dude in the neighborhood. I think back in the day, man. <laughs> well, it is him. 1982. Replace or not Jack Palance. Yeah, man. <laughs> didn't know that. I didn't realize that. He's from PA? He's from Pennsylvania, man. He's another Schoolkill County guy. Schoolkill. I believe it's Schoolkill, yeah. Schoolkill. Schoolkill, yeah. They call it Schoolkill. The Schoolkill. Latimer. Latimer Mines. Latimer. You ever heard of Latimer? So Luzerne County. Latimer Mines. <laughs> So Palance, our, uh, I just remember him from all the cowboy movies and the westerns, you know, from back in the day. I, man, I'm not a western guy so much. I, yeah, I completely forgot about Ripley's. That's crazy. Uh, that's where I get. Yeah. I remember him and some stuff since then. Yeah, you know, like really obscure, odd type character roles. And stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, yes, he was a similar deal. He grew up uh, in a coal mining town. I don't know if you ever worked the coal mines. You know, and then you got Jimmy Stewart, obviously, but. Yeah, I definitely got to hit him up next. See what's going on up Minersville. there. Minersville. Oh, right beside Minersville. Yeah. Well, yeah, that wraps it up for that. So that is the story of Charles Bronson in Pennsylvania. I call it uh, Bronson's escape from the mines of Ehrenfeld. Yeah, that sounds like a bad experience for him. <laughs> Anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to see video versions of this podcast, check out my YouTube channel, Running Into History. And stay tuned for more stories of our forgotten past.